Hi, this is John, and today on Theocast, Justin and I have a unique and special podcast for you. A couple of months ago, we had the opportunity of being interviewed on a podcast on 1517 called Outside Ourselves, and the host is Kelsey Clambera, and we had just a wonderful time getting to know her, and she had a lot of questions just about the gospel and clarifying the gospel and the gospel distinction and and even some biographical questions about Justin and I and our history about how we came to know uh, the gospel of grace. And so it was a great time together. It's almost an hour. We hope you guys enjoy this unique, special podcast as we collaborate with Outside Ourselves and Theocast. Thanks. If you're new to Theocast, you may not have heard of this word. It's called pietism. You ever felt like the Christian life is a heavy burden versus rest and joy? That you wake up worrying about how well you're going to perform instead of thinking about what Christ has done for you? It's dread versus joy, really. That's pietism. Pietism causes Christians to look in on themselves and find their hope, not in what Christ has done, but what they're doing. And we have a little book for you. It's free. We want you to download it. And we're going to explain the difference between pietism and what we call confessionalism. Reformed theology, really. How it is that we walk by faith, seeing the joy of Christ. And when Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest, what does that look like? You can download it at our website. Just go to theocast.org. John and Justin, welcome to Outside Ourselves. Thanks so much for being here, y'all. It's a pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Yeah, happy to be here, Kelsey. Yeah, of course. Well, you guys are my first duo guest. I don't. I haven't had any any guests yet where there's two of you. Um, so I would love if you want to just tell people why you're both here, what you do together, um, and a little bit about yourselves. I got a random email. I don't know Justin. She <laughs> sent me this email saying she wanted me to come on. So, no, kidding. Here you are. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> uh, no, shout out to Daniel. Uh, no, Daniel, and he connected us, and so I'm mm-hmm. thankful for that. And uh, Justin and I have become dear friends and ministry partners. He and I met through, uh, really through social media. If there's anything ever that's come good from social media, it's that I had the opportunity to meet Justin. Yeah. And, Some uh, good things happen on what was formerly known as Twitter. Yeah. No, so I don't he know and I started on the X. X or that's right. On the X. So he and I started a Twitter conversation. But so uh, we're both, I'll introduce myself. I'll let Justin introduce yeah. himself. Um, so I uh, started a church about six years ago called Grace Reform Church in uh, South Nashville area called Spring Hill. Okay. And um, four kids and just uh, my wife been married for 20 years and, and loving ministry. And the second part of the ministry that I get to participate in every week is Theocast. And so Justin and I have been uh, recording that for over four years now, coming on our 200th wow. episode. And this will mm-hmm. be, I think, uh, right around the like 197, right 98. No, I think like we're about 199, 200. Yeah. There you go. Right. Well, wow. you might be the 200th the, episode. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> we need we need balloons or something. There you go. <laughs> but it's been a, a wonderful ride because uh, out, like your podcast, we really true, uh, try to help people who are m- maybe newer in the faith or or maybe confused. We, we really want to help them uh, find the security, secure footing in Christ and, mm-hmm. and in the chaos of uh, all the theology that's out there and confusion, yeah. we we want to help people find rest in that. And so that's yeah. kind of the where we're at. And, and I know that's kind of the direction of your podcast. Justin, I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah, so I'm Justin, and I am the pastor of Covenant Baptist Church in Asheville, North Carolina. Our church was planted about eight years ago, and okay. I'm married to Michelle. We have four kids. And like John said, he and I have been doing this podcast together for about four years, encouraged by that. You, I'm sure, are used to the the grind of a weekly show and how that can can be can be a thing. But we've been encouraged by how the Lord has used it. And like John said, our our one trick is to point the saints to the sufficiency of Christ for them. Yeah. And yeah, like your your podcast is called Outside Ourselves. That's what we're trying to do is to point people to Jesus and and make it clear from Scripture that His work, what He's done, not only is it enough to save us all, but it stands unaffected by how we're doing, how we're feeling, how we're yeah. performing today, this week, whatever. And yeah. uh, that's what we plan to keep talking about yeah. until people don't want to listen to us anymore. So. That's great. Well, I I know a lot of people that listen to y'all <coughs> and have listened to you here and there throughout the years. Um, is 
is this message that you guys are proclaiming, which, you know, we're going to talk about gospel clarity a lot today. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you feel like you kind of stumbled upon? Is it something you grew up with? Like, how did you come to the point that you're at today? And, um, and, and then I know that you talked about finding each other on, on Twitter, but what was that even like, kind of like finding a partner in this and being able to do it, do <laughs> so it together? So you just asked a question that we may run 20 minutes with this. Just stop <laughs> John, you go no, first. Not, not the meeting part, but how we came to it. Okay. <laughs> the whole thing. I, okay. Anyway, go ahead. Uh, yeah. So um, I guess I can go back and, well, yeah, it'd be better if I started, I guess, you know, I was born and raised in a, in a pastor's home. And my mom and dad were wonderful parents, loved Jesus, um, and just, I've got nothing but amazing memories. And I was a, definitely a rebel, caused a lot of problems. And um, it was, my mom would get angry with me. I love my mom. She'll probably hear this. So mom, you, you know, I love you. But she would even say, I don't even know if you're a Christian. You know, this is bad. I, had, I just had bad moments in my childhood. Yeah. And, uh, but I, the one thing that was very clear to me was the gospel. Like that part of it, hmm. I was very thankful for. It was always by grace alone. And it was fun watching my my dad and my mom change over time in, in a good way where they grew up extremely fundamentalist Baptist hmm. and then begin to see like the the bad cultural side of that. And then yeah. we're really drawn towards grace. And that part was uh, the part as I got older in high school, I saw that. And then my father passed away right before I turned 21. And that really kind of caused me to rethink all of my theology in general. And so, Mm. uh, you know, the shorter version of that is I ended up in seminary and a really good friend of mine just started challenging a lot of my thought process about the uh, Christian life as it relates to like sanctification and, and really the sovereignty of God in, in relation to like just my salvation in general. So uh, it was about that time I really started to learn about the historic faith and things like law gospel distinction yeah. and the ordinary means of grace. And, you know, I, I can remember the first time someone asked me to do a, t- a study on spiritual disciplines. And I started reading it. I was like, this stuff is like semi-pagan. Like this has, these rituals are not connected and grounded in scripture other than read your Bible. I mean, I, I guess I can yeah. go along with that. Yeah. Uh, but it was at that moment I realized that I had been raised in what's called a pietistic context where it's like your podcast, it's the opposite. It wasn't outside of ourselves. It was yeah. inside. I was yeah. always Look looking. Within. That's right. Looking yeah. to right. myself. And then, you know, just to kind of jump to the podcasting, when Justin and I got on the phone, you know, I messaged him and said, hey, man, I've heard some of your sermons. Um, a, a good friend of ours who was also a host on the podcast years ago, Jimmy Bueller, is the one who told me about oh, Justin. Yeah. He said, hey, you should check this guy out. I've interacted with him on Twitter. And so I just messaged Justin and we ended up on the phone for a couple hours. And it was like immediate connection. Like this guy thinks the way I do. His personality is different. But as far as like theologically, we we couldn't sure. be more close, you know, just in the way that we think about the Christian life. And so it, it took us a couple more conversations, but he agreed to come on as a host. So it was, it was a fun ride. It was a quick ride. I mean, we really kind of moved fast in, in getting it up and rolling, but mm. that, that journey for me, having someone like Justin in my life, he and I aren't just hosts, but we also challenge each other often, like new thoughts, new ideas. This is where I'm at or when we're discouraged. So it's been fun to just have a, a partner in ministry, which a lot of people don't get. And I'm thankful yeah. that God has done that for me. For sure. Yeah. So me, I grew up in not a great church environment. Um, and my parents, yeah, my parents may very well listen to this too. And, and like John, I have nothing but wonderful things to say about my mom and my dad and both of them in God's providence are members of the church. I pastor now. That's kind of, it's sweet, you know, and they're, they're doing really well. I mean, even spiritually trusting Christ and in the midst of the trials of this life, but my mom was well-intentioned, but just uninformed theologically. My dad came to faith a little bit later in my life. Um, So we went to churches, plural, that were, uh, they were Baptistic, right? But they're liberal as far as their theology was concerned. So it didn't so much matter what you believed and they were laced with just moralism, you know, be a good person. And so I, I meant to trust Christ as a young guy. And there was, from the time I was probably 10 or 12, I, I don't know that I ever questioned whether or not Jesus was legit. But I questioned the church and like everything that I had seen in terms of Christianity and the Christian life. I just thought, man, this is whack. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what to make of this. And uh, that continued through 
like high school into college. Like my, my college years were good in ways, but it was also just swinging on pendulums between like legalism and licentiousness and just not even knowing what to make of like, how do I be, how do I live as a Christian? You yeah. Know? Something about Jesus. I can't leave. Like, even if I wanted to, couldn't walk mm. away from, him, you mm. know, and yet my, my Christian life, quote unquote, was a mess and inconsistent all over the place. And after college, I encountered more robust teaching. And yet, like John said, uh, as I was immersed into a more serious minded, like evangelical context, I still found that there was a lot of inconsistency. So on the one hand, Jesus was preached and, you know, even like God's plan to save a people from before the foundations of the world and like how he's the savior. And and I'm just a recipient of the salvation that Christ has accomplished for me. That was preached and I was encouraged in my soul by that. But then like John alluded to, and we've acknowledged already, there was all of this, like, look within yourself, evaluate yourself. Uh, Are you serious enough? Are you disciplined enough? Are you obedient enough? How are your affections for God and the things of God and, and all of that? And I, like many of us that find, I'll just use the word and we can define it, that, that find more of like a reformation understanding mm-hmm. of the faith. A lot of us have tender consciences deep down and yeah. we are aware that, man, if it depends on me at all, like I got no shot here. And yeah. if my obedience or my faithfulness or my consistency is even a fraction of this equation of salvation, then I'm damned. Like mm-hmm. I, I got no hope. So I always wrestle with that in my heart. And the only things that I ever found comfort in were words from Jesus, like where he would say that I've, I have you and nobody's ever going to take you from my hands. I'm going to raise you up on the last day. Uh, and it's like, thank God that Jesus will never fail me because I fail him day over day, every day. You know? Yeah. And so I think the Lord had primed the pump in my heart for a long time as I began to encounter the doctrines now that we hold dear, uh, mm. this, this objective understanding of Christ and the gospel that's declarative too. It's done. It's finished. Like there's nothing that we need to contribute, nothing that we could contribute anyway. And uh, learning the distinction between the law and the gospel yeah. and just the one the one plan of God that's revealed throughout the scriptures that all centers on Christ and reading the entire Bible in light of him. Mm-hmm. Those are things that changed my life, you know, over a decade ago and have been continuing to grow and learn in those things and preach those things week in and week out in, in our local church and get to talk with John every week on a podcast yeah. about this stuff. And very just, I think last word for me on this is, I think we all can tend to boast in the things that we we think we understand, but I, I think for myself, and I, I'm sure you two agree, my overwhelming feeling about all this is gratitude mm-hmm. to to understand and know something of the sufficiency of our Savior for us is a really sweet thing. And you're happy to take the bullets from people that don't understand. Um, yeah. And it's like, we're going to keep preaching Christ regardless of how we might be reviled for that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's I, a couple things. I you, when you're talking, Justin, about the pendulum, almost like moving from the exterior of your actions to interior. Sure. I think sure. that I relate so much to that. Um, not so much. I was a goody two shoes, but like I was pretty straight laced too. Yeah, for a period of my life. Just to yeah. Be clear. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're on the same page, but it's that interior just swing between pride and despair, like over and yeah. over and over again. That I think. Yeah most Christians, if they're honest with themselves, really struggle with, um, and don't know what to, to do with. Like they don't, they don't have a place to be honest about it. Um, Mm -hmm. they, they, they feel like they don't have a God to be honest, um, about it too. And that, that was me. Like, it just felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about it. Mm -hmm. And so when you finally realize like, no, that's what God wants that's exactly what he wants you to be talking to him about. It gives you such a more firm foundation. Um, I think, yeah, that's, that's super helpful. And then um, this, this idea of gratitude is so important. I think there's, I was actually going to ask this kind of later, but um, there's, I think a tendency, and I brought this up on the show before when you kind of first hear this message of, for me, at least my experience was like, this is amazing. Why mm. does no one know about it? And a yeah. little bit of even like anger. You're indignant. Oh yeah. yeah. You're indignant. You're like, mm-hmm. why in the world has nobody ever said this to me before? Yes. What? Right. Where has this been hiding? Um, right. 
And, and so then I think pride does actually come after that. Uh, or at least it did for me in that cage stage. It does. Yeah. And it's, yeah, yeah. it's like the cage stage or the fire host stage of yeah. like, everyone right. listen to me and like, believe what I believe. Where yeah. have you guys, how have you navigated that? And what would your encouragement be to people who kind of find themselves there where they're, I think a lot of times it's like, they want to share the gospel out of the goodness of their heart. Like they're, they're truly excited about it or um, they want people to know, but <laughs> I know for me, I was just turning people off left and right mm. because I was just so like strong yeah. on it. What's your encouragement for people that find them themselves in that place? I'm going to throw it to John in a second, but if I can just comment briefly on the pride and despair thing you brought up, then yeah. maybe we'll talk about it more later. But yeah. I think that that's common for so many believers in the church because mm-hmm. the, of the fact that we are pointed to ourselves so often. Yeah. And so inevitably, that's what's going to occur. You're going to take pride in the things that you think you can do, and you're going to despair over the things that you know you can't. Yeah. And I think Satan doubles down on that, that strategy. I mean, in that that sort of MO in the church, whenever we're pointed in on ourselves, that that's not of God. That's mm. not God's ideal for us as believers. And so I, I do think that many Christians just kind of swing on that pendulum between self-righteousness and despair. Yeah. And the antidote to that, to both of those things, is to point the believer outside of themselves mm. yeah. to Christ and to fix your gaze on him for you. And then we're getting somewhere. Mm. But I think your question is a good one. Like, what's the counsel to people that encounter these things? Because you're right. I think gratitude mixed with indignation is a normal place to be. And, you know, talk about hiding a light under a bushel. You're just like, what have we been doing in the church for however many decades? And like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And I think some of that reaction is okay, but you want to be winsome in the ways that you engage. So, John, give us the wisdom, man. Tell us how we should. (laughs) Yeah. I'll just tell you how I feel. No, I uh, I did have a moment. I remember talking to one of my mentors and pastor at the time that I was so angry about some of my former professors and mentors about how they just misled me. And then I parroted everything that they said and I misled so many people. And, mm. you know, he just reminded me, he's like, look, man, look at the apostle Paul like and Peter and the disciples sure. and just how God uh, brings us through experiences so that we have perspective at times and that God and his sovereignty understands that this, this is part of the plan for us to learn. And, and that was helpful for me to Mm -hmm. not remain in my anger, understanding that, okay, maybe I do have a perspective that people will understand now and, and it'll allow me to be a little bit more gracious and patient towards Mm -hmm. uh, people who tend to be legalistic. Cause I, I was, my wife and I laughed. We were telling the kids about the other day when we were in high school and we had just met and the things I would say is like, just it was horrible. You know, yeah. I was just such a legalist and I, yeah. all the things I said I would never do, which I ended up doing in college, which That's is right. just a shame to me. But um, it is interesting where what helped me a lot. So if you're in this stage where you kind of feel like you got to take over the world and change everybody's mind immediately, it's healthy to, to read history at times and understand mm-hmm. that you're not the first one that's uh, taken up this mantle and, mm-hmm. and this mission and that it's not, it's the, this, this, just hear me out here. It's not one or two or three conversations. I, I have to say this to people all the time. Yeah. Multiple times in scripture, we are commanded, not suggested. We are commanded to speak the truth in love and love. If you understand the word, it is selfless, sacrificial, and it is long suffering. That's how it's described, which means you're going to have to be extremely patient yeah. over and over and over again and be okay with people not changing right away because that's what love does. Love endures, right? Mm-hmm. So it's understanding that this is a journey. You're, I've rarely met anybody who hasn't had a little bit of a traumatic experience coming to grace, right? Hmm. And so I often tell people, yeah. just be there for that person when they get there. It might mm-hmm. be a slow fade where they slowly come over here, or it might be something where you're there to help pick up the pieces after the tragedy. And mm-hmm. But the, what, what does Paul say in Romans 15, 1? Those of you who are, who are strong in grace, in faith, have an obligation to deal with the failings of the weak. 
And he says obligation. That's another way of saying speaking the truth in love. So mm-hmm. I always just encourage, I have a lot of spouses who one or the other will be either entrenched yes. in. Yeah. yeah that, be I was going to mention that seems to be the common thing is it's yeah. between couples. Sorry, go ahead. No, no. And it's, you know, for my church, it's been a lot of charismatic theology that one spouse has come out of and the other one is still in it. And um, I, I had guys in my church that I could see their you know, their teeth clench when I told them, Hey brother, the one thing you're going to hear me say for the rest of your marriage is you got to be patient. You got to yeah. let God do his work. Cause if mm-hmm. they don't see it, then you can't force it upon them. And so I, I think that command from our Lord is so important that love is always the vehicle that this grace has to come to people because you cannot sure. force it upon them. All three of us have tried it and it's blown up. It doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to repeat everything that John said, though I agree with it all. I think some other things to keep in mind when you're encountering these things is to, to first remember the nature of the gospel and and the fact that we are recipients of mercy. And so mm. what do we have that we've not been given? And so that should humble us all. Mm. I agree with John's encouragement to read history and and also humble yourself to realize that you are not the first human being to thoughtfully engage these things. That's right. yeah. That people have thought really hard for a long time and have even given their lives to these these truths and and so that should calm us all down a little bit and remember you know that if if we're talking about if we're getting all worked up and indignant we're typically dealing in the realm of of like justice and what people deserve and I'm going to treat you poorly because you have spoken things to me or you've not said things to me that have been helpful and just we should all remember that if we're dealing in the realm of what we deserve uh, we don't deserve anything good from the Lord as sinners. And Christianity is a religion of mercy and mm-hmm. mercy is better than fair. Right. Sure. And so just remember those things. I, I think that should humble us all. But then I, I think that our theology, understanding how the fall of Adam has wrecked us all mm. and how that means that by nature, we don't understand anything well, Yeah, uh, that should produce compassion mm-hmm. um, because there were so many things that we didn't understand for a time, though we, I think, wanted to understand. We didn't. Uh, we meant well in what we were trying to do. So I think extend compassion toward your brothers and sisters and mm. don't impugn their motivations. Uh, assume that they mean really well, but they might be misguided. And so then ask yourself, what is actually going to be fruitful and winsome and useful? Well, it's for me to be kind and warm and gentle. And I always encourage people in our church because all of our people are coming from context. Well, not all, but many of our people are coming from contexts that are different. They're yeah. coming from a, a more generally evangelical background. And a lot of these things that we're talking about, the the nature of the gospel and how Christ's work is objective and outside of us. And mm-hmm. though they agree with that, generally, they've never been taught that really well or the distinction between the law and the gospel uh, yes. and that there is nothing whatsoever in the gospel for us to do that makes people really nervous and they're having to learn all these things but when the light bulbs go off people are disoriented and they're kind of like what do i do with this yeah. um, and i always encourage people in our church if you are understanding these things and you're interacting with people that are newer that don't yet understand them just major on jesus talk about him a lot mm-hmm. like point people to christ and talk about how he is such a mighty, sufficient Savior, and just make much of Christ all the time and let that be your song and let that be your line, rather than getting all worked up over these other areas of doctrine that are important, but might actually distract from the main conversation we're trying to have. So I I think that's generally useful. And I, I try to do that myself whenever I'm having conversations with people that understand that where I am theologically and where they are theologically is different. Mm-hmm. And they're a little bit nervous about where I am. I'm, mm-hmm. I just talk about Christ a lot and yeah. say things about Jesus that I don't think they can disagree with. Yeah. Know? Yeah. And that's, then we just reason from there. I, that's such great advice. Cause it's like, you can pull out your um, confessions or, you know, for sure. us or book of Isn't Concord, but sure. yeah, it's yeah. useful. But for a lot yeah. of people, they're like, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't, that's I'm right. not super interested in that. Yeah, don't make don't make a law of the gospel is so yeah, amen. important. And but it's harder to do than I think we realize. So this has all been this is great advice and super helpful. And I think one thing you guys are so good at is being so clear about um doctrine in a very winsome way, in a gracious way. And I know you guys I think recently did 
an episode all about this, but I'm curious if you could just define for us uh, what is gospel in simple terms. How do you define that? How do you teach people what the gospel is? Because again, you think it's simple, but there's there tends to be a lot of confusion about what exactly is going on there. Yeah, Justin, I think we could break this up into two part, um, our cleansing and then our inherited righteousness. I think that might be an easy sure. way to break that up. And I'm also fine for you to just give us the goods and then I'll do my best to follow up. <laughs> okay, it sounds good. I Either preached way. this sermon recently and and I really tried to focus in on this. Uh, Paul makes this radical statement in 1 Timothy 4.1 that in latter times the church is going to be swayed. And it says by the doctrines of demons, which means demons are teaching these things. Mm-hmm. And you go on to realize what he's talking about. He's talking about a, a half gospel where they're going to come and they're going to sound right. They're going to mm-hmm. think about a lie is that a lie is mm-hmm. uh, about 99% truth, right? Yeah. So when we're talking about clarifying the gospel, which is really what Theocast loves to do, is making sure that we keep it clear uh, because there is an attack on the gospel. And sometimes we don't understand that attack is just leaving half of it off. That's the mm-hmm. attack, right? Giving just half the truth, which you know, there's a lot of things in life that won't work if you only have half of it. So the the gospel in and of itself, this is an important understanding that the word means good news. And the nature of news is that it's past tense. It's not present or mm-hmm. future, right? It's yeah. telling you what has happened. Mm-hmm. And so that's what's so important is that there's no potential to the gospel. No. There's no future to the gospel. Then that also means there's nothing to do with it because it's it's a it's a part of history. That's what's yeah. so important to understand. Mm-hmm. And so, what is that history? Well, that history is uh, in the past. You you were condemned the moment you were born. You were condemned under God as as being a rebel. You, you came out rebelling, <laughs> mm-hmm. and the that's the bad news. And mm-hmm. that you you should be held accountable for that because your your rebellion is such an offense. And here's the past tense part of it is that uh, God in his love sent his son to to pay for your rebellion so that you would no longer be under that condemnation. This is why the cross is so radically offensive because it's a picture of how radical your rebellion was. That's why it's so beautiful, right? It's so beautiful because look how much God had to pay for through Christ. And and that that was his mercy upon us. So the gospel has mercy, but the, also the gospel has what's called grace. So mercy is to not receive what you deserve. And grace is to receive what you don't deserve. And that's the second part of the gospel. And that's Jesus's life. What people don't understand is that uh, Romans 3 says, for all have sinned, we've rebelled against God, and then we fell short of something. Mm-hmm. He says we fall short of the glory of God. What that means is to be in God's presence, you have to be righteous and therefore, righteousness allows you to enter into his glory. And so I love this, that uh, we are told that the righteousness of Christ is our righteousness at right. new birth. And that righteousness is what gives us the right to mm-hmm. be in the presence of God without fear and yeah. without any kind of requirement. So the two parts of the gospel is that we di- don't have to pay for our sins because we can't. That's mercy. Mm-hmm. And that all of the works that Jesus did from the moment he was born to the moment he rose from the grave, all of those works were proofs of righteousness, were proofs of his goodness. And Jesus says, they are yours. Uh, it's a really powerful word, one that if it's new to you, you should you should learn this. There's so much great rating on the Reformers and Lutherans on this. It's called union in Christ. Union and what that means Christ. is that you become one with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, you would hear a word like, um, clothed in Christ, right? Clothed yeah. in his righteousness. Mm-hmm. So the good news of the gospel is that everything you could ever need to be with your father is gifted to you by forgiveness of sins and the giving over of Christ's righteousness mm-hmm. forever. And that means when Paul says, if you're going to boast, proudly put on his righteousness and boast in the Lord. That yeah. that would be our explanation of the gospel. And the most important part of that is just like, well, how do I know this to be true about me? Like this news is true about me. And it's great because Jesus says, if you believe, mm-hmm. you know it's true about you. Hey guys, real quick. Some of you are listening to this and it's encouraging to you, but you have questions. So where do you go? How do you interact with other people who have the same questions and share resources? We have started something called the Theocast community. We're excited because not only is it a place for you to connect, 
with other like-minded believers, all of our resources there, past podcasts, education materials, articles, all of it's there, and you can share it and ask questions. You can go check it out. The link is in the description below. I want to double down on this whole news thing that mm. Christianity is the only religion in the world based on news, mm. on mm. something that has been done, that's accomplished. And we've said this already, we're gonna say it again, because I don't think this is something that we intuitively understand well as human beings, but there is nothing whatsoever for us to do when it comes to the gospel. Mm. Yeah. The gospel is only about what Jesus Christ has done. And what we, we don't live the gospel, we don't do the gospel. All we're ever yeah. told is to believe it, to receive it, and to preach it. Mm -hmm. And so we'll kind of, that said, we'll set this over here. But what is the good news? Well, I mean, it's Jesus for us, for the forgiveness of sins. So he, he paid that penalty. It's for Jesus, for the absolution of our guilt. So we are no longer yeah. held, counted guilty, right? Mm -hmm. It is Jesus for righteousness, meaning as John already articulated, Christ perfectly fulfilled God's holy law. Mm -hmm. So Jesus fulfilled the law in every way that we are under it. And so everything that the law demands of us, Jesus did it, and what he did is counted to us by faith. And then it's Jesus for eternal life by virtue of the fact that we've been absolved and forgiven and declared righteous in Christ. We now are heirs of eternal life with the Lord forever, right, in, in Christ. And uh, it's the greatest news in the world. And so we can say to people, like, how, when they ask, like, how, how would I be righteous before God? You're able to say, well, even though I have broken every single one of God's commands, which you have, yeah. and even though I have never kept a single one of them, which you haven't, by and, and, and even, even as a Christian, I'm still inclined toward all evil, by the way, because I, I drag that old corrupt nature around. You know, the mm -hmm. dead man floats, as Martin Luther would say. You yeah. drag the corpse yeah. of your fallen nature That's around with you all quote. the time. So. Even And even being a Christian, I'm still inclined toward all evil. So even though I've broken all of God's commands, I've never kept one, and I'm still inclined toward all evil, yet God, out of sheer grace and mercy, has counted to me the perfect righteousness, holiness, and satisfaction of Christ. Mm. And it is as though I have never sinned or been a sinner, and it is as though I have been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. Mm. That's And I just receive that by faith. Yeah. It's yeah. given. I don't earn it. I don't achieve it. I receive it. And that's gospel. And anything else is we're venturing into the realm of law. And yeah. the law is not bad, but the mm -hmm. law can't save. Yeah. yeah. And I will add one aspect to this because some people, uh, as you already know, uh, Kelsey, they, they've probably come and question you about this. Um, there is an aspect of the good news of the gospel that because he brings us new life, that he has promised to us the thing that we want to do, which is to obey him, he is going to grant that to us, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's mm -hmm. part of the gift that's to us. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is a result of the gospel. And people oh, need yeah. to understand where that goes, is that yeah. there is how you come into that relationship with God and then the effects of it. Mm -hmm. And at times we bring the effects into the gospel and you can't do that. Yeah, And, and that's where the danger comes. Or implications yeah. of the gospel are not the gospel. That's right. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think... I see a lot of times and I really struggle with thinking the implications or the good works that are promised mm. to follow the gospel are some in some way quantifiable or measurable. Mm. And that that is what then tells me where I'm standing and how I'm doing. Right. And I think that that's oh, yeah. really hard for people because we want, we want some sort of measurement and mm. we want some, um, again, we want, some sort of firm foundation as we've kind of been talking about. So we go there mm -hmm. because that's what we're doing. That's, that's the yeah. thing we know to go to. So that's right. this, this is that's all true. super, super helpful. Um, I, you know, there's a few places I think I've seen people struggle with this. I think one is this idea that, and especially today, I would say, and maybe for like my generation, like you don't want to hear that you're a sinner People really don't like that. They all, there's also a lot of baggage that comes with that from people who have grown up in the church and have heard sure. that over and over again, and but haven't been given the gospel. Um, so I think that that is one place. And then the other place seems to be this uh, double imputation or mm. um, the lack of preaching, the lack of um, 
I guess, information, theological conversation about uh, being clothed in in Jesus' righteousness. Uh, yeah. It seems like it kind of, the buck stops at, your sins are forgiven yeah. now, go obey. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, yeah. have you guys found those to be sticking points or are there other points? Where do you see this go wrong for people or start to get really confused for for people most commonly? I mean, you said a lot that we could comment on for a little while. Yeah, I'll start with the I'll start with the the last thing you said about the double imputation uh, and being counted with and clothed with the righteousness of Christ and that not being preached as clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree with that. I, I think that I think the church, and I'm talking about you know, whatever we want to call it, like the evangelical church in America, like broadly speaking, I think Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, like Jesus dying on the cross for our sins is preached pretty clearly. Yeah. Now there's a lot of confusion and collapsing of categories that we could maybe talk about later, but I think the cross and and Jesus for the forgiveness of sins is communicated pretty regularly, pretty consistently. Mm -hmm. But I do agree. I think the gospel in terms of the work of Christ is very often cut in half and you never get the the fact that not only did he die for your sins and even die as a substitute for you to take the wrath of God you deserve, mm. but you don't get that he he fulfilled all righteousness, yeah, and that his perfect life, his obedience, his law keeping is counted to you as your obedience, as your mm. righteousness, mm. as your perfect law keeping, and because we're not told that, I do think you're right. The street level takeaway is, all right, Jesus did his part. Now you go and do yours. Uh, yeah. Jesus died for your sins. You got a clean slate now. Now, you know, let me give you a pat on the backside and go out there and don't disappoint God. You know, that's effectively how we, many of us feel like we need to live. And uh, we're always looking then to evaluate our performance because we think implicitly somehow that we've got to contribute to righteousness. And I think the church has doubled down unintentionally on that message by not preaching the righteousness of Christ as our righteousness from the rooftops as loudly and clearly as we can. Yeah. Yeah. That's one. I, John interact with a little bit of what Kelsey said. Yeah. Maybe we'll yeah, for back. sure. Um, you know, I've, I've been thinking about this a lot lately in a lot of the things I'm doing a series on spiritual warfare. Mm. And one of the things that I have really come to conclude while t- discussing this with people is um, we're, we're such physical beings. Like, um, th- there's a part of, there's a part of the gospel that we are okay with. I, are, people are okay with being forgiven. Mm. Um, that part seems like, okay, God, I messed up and I really appreciate you being kind to me and forgiving me. Yeah. Um, that part is a most, mostly is okay. If you're a Christian, the, the world at times I'm with you, they're like, what do I need to be forgiven? of?" <laughs> you know, what I'm doing isn't wrong. Yeah. And, and that part is where the law really has to come in because the law is there to yeah. break them down and crush them. And we want to use the law in that way. And the law is beautiful in that way because, um, and it, yeah. it just destroys us. Right. And we're thankful for the law because the law shows us Jesus, right? Like mm-hmm. you can have the law or you can have Jesus. And we're like, we'll take mm-hmm. Jesus. Um, <laughs> but the there is a disconnect to the supernatural nature to mm-hmm. the relationship we have with God. I mean, just think about this for a moment, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> if you say you're a Christian, <laughs> just think about this from like a non-American, like pagan perspective. <laughs> you you walk up to somebody and you're like, I have a God living inside me. <laughs> Yeah. Just think about that for a moment. You're like, it's weird. It is weird. You're you're like, wait, what? Yeah. 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 His name is, his name is spirit. He lives inside me. (laughs) It just sounds crazy. You're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And and you know what? He gives me a connection to God Mm -hmm. where I can actually talk to him like right now, but Mm -hmm. he's up there. I mean, he's everywhere. He's up there. He's everywhere. But, but I can talk to him and people are like, dude, you have lost it, man. Like you have. And so there, there is a like radicalness when Paul says it's like that the world calls it foolishness. Well, we're still part of the world and that fallen nature within us is like, this doesn't, it feels like there's still something I've got to do. Mm -hmm. So I want to be able to see my faith. I want to be able to see my relationship with God. And when, you know, the Bible says, blessed are you who do not see yet believe. Like there's a blessing upon the believer who finally can sit down and go, 
This entire relationship is not like anything else on this world. And that I think if you can help the believer understand, like regain the supernatural nature of our Bibles and of our faith, because Mm -hmm. everything about it is physical. What I don't do, what I don't eat, what I don't say. And so we find the security of our relationship by looking at our hands, right? And our eyes and our mouths. And God's like, you cannot do that because it's it's fallen. Mm-hmm. Your, your entire relationship with me is based on that which you can't see, but only experience. Which mm-hmm. means like we, you know, when it says his spirit ministers to our spirit, and this is how we know, there is that nature where it truly is by faith that God is accepting me, not based upon my future obedience or my past obedience, but he is accepting me based upon his terms, right? So I would tell people, you have to emphasize the promises of God and how God has been faithful in his promises. And remember that this is a supernatural relationship. This is not a human relationship. So Mm -hmm. if you try and compare Mm -hmm. human relationships with God, it will never work. I'll give you an example. Um, When we think about the word love, no, not one, not all three of us. None of us have a love for other humans like God has a love for us. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. His love is unconditional. We have limits. I'm telling you right now, we, we have limits to our, because listen, if if someone becomes so abusive that it puts us in danger, we, there's a separation that has to happen there. And even a, there's an experience of that love that's, but that's not true with our father. Like he just, He doesn't love us that way. So his love is unconditional in the truest sense. And it's sacrificial. I mean, what does Jesus say? No greater love than this, than a man laid down his life, right? Mm -hmm. So we often take human experience and we, we cast it upon God. And it's incumbent upon us to know that scripture says your relationship with God is not like any other relationship. It cannot be. And you have to listen to God's promises in the way that God acts because God is not human like we are, you know? Mm. So his ways are not our like our ways. So that part of the gospel, if you don't really emphasize the supernatural and the un like the unwavering promises mm. of God, it's hard to embrace this concept that I am accepted based upon God's terms and not based upon my performance. For me, yeah. I have watched more mm. and more people relax and rest once they embrace that my relationship with God is supernatural based upon his terms and not mine. Yeah. If if I can double down on that. Yeah. The the obedience thing, and like you said, Kelsey, we want to do good works. We mm-hmm. want to see things in our lives. We want to see that we're transforming, that we're changing uh, because of the fact that we've been united to Christ. I think when we begin to understand that even our sanctification is supernatural, that this is a work of God, not a work that we perform, I think right. that that helps us and we're on the right track because we tend to think, it's very clear that we tend to think in very natural human terms about even the Christian faith because the tactic of so many preachers out there when it comes to obedience for the Christian is to preach Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and justification and all that kind of stuff. But then when it comes to sanctification, it's like, well, we've got to have some skin in the game in mm. order for people to be appropriately motivated to pursue obedience and holiness. Right. And so you get this kind of obey or else dot, dot, dot. Yeah. You're just going to prove that you're a faker and uh, you, you've probably been you've probably been a faker all along and we're just going to kind of smoke that out over time. And, you know, Christianity is only for the serious amongst us and only the strong survive, you know, that's the kind of message that that comes out. And that feeds into our natural tendencies to think that we need to work for it. When biblically speaking, sanctification is a supernatural thing that Christ does through the work of his spirit in us. And it's all grounded in our union with him. So Mm -hmm. the, the sanctification of believers like our growth in holiness and godliness and all that, it has the same foundation and comes from the same source as our justification. And mm-hmm. that is our union with Christ. We've yeah. been united to him by faith. We've been baptized into him. We've been freed from sin's guilt and now thereby freed from its dominion. And we've yeah. become obedient from the heart. But here's the thing. We can't, if this was a human endeavor, we could measure our progress in ways that seems reasonable to us. But given that the Lord is the one who will do this over the course of a lifetime, we are often very poor evaluators of how we're growing. And I I sometimes tell people, you know, you're not going to see it in a clean, linear way the way you want to. It's Mm kind of like, you know, the grass grows. I don't really see it growing, but I know I got to cut it on the weekend. 
I mean, that's yeah. kind of how, that's how yeah. this is going to happen. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think that's one comment that, that we all just need to, to stop thinking in such human quantifiable ways about mm-hmm. our growth in the faith. That's just yeah. not, not helpful. It's not how the Lord works typically. You made a comment that in our generation, I don't know how old you are compared to me. I'm just going to say our, I, I feel good that's about great. saying that right now. Love it. Uh, in <laughs> our it. generation, <laughs> people don't like to hear that they're sinners. I think that's probably always been true, but I understand what you yeah. mean in a unique way today. Mm-hmm. Uh, humans have always had too high of an opinion of ourselves. And that's clear that it, it it's true in the church. And I think one of the problems, John kind of touched on this already, is that we don't actually preach the law the way that we should. Right. You yes. know, we dumb the law down. We collapse categories. Yeah. We, we mm-hmm. soft pedal the law. It's this kind of easy listening legalism where, yeah, yeah like God's holy and his law is holy, but we kind of lower the standard enough to where it's almost like we could do it Mm-hmm. And we need to just be living in, in dedicated fervor, you know, in trying to do the works of the law to an adequate level, whatever that mm-hmm. is. Nobody can define that standard. And I think the cure there for all of us is that we would preach the law and all of its holiness. And yeah. we would say like miserable sinner, because we all are. There's no other kind. We're all miserable sinners. And we say, have you considered Mount Sinai? You know, when God gave the law and how the mountain shook and there was yeah. lightning and smoke. And like, if you touch the mountain, you die. Mm-hmm. It's like, do you think that you're going to ascend the side of that holy hill to and make your way to God? <laughs> like, there's no way in the world that can be done. You yeah. know? And so then I think preaching the law in all of its holiness, and like Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, greatest sermon on the law ever preached, by the way, right. uh, where he yep. crushes everybody. Yeah, He tells us not only that he came to fulfill it, I mean, that's huge. But then he says, you got to have a righteousness that exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees. It's like, oh, yeah. really? And you've yeah. heard it said, don't kill somebody. But I'm telling you, if you've been angry, you've broken the law. In other words, everybody's a lawbreaker. Exactly. Yeah. Right. I, uh, I recently, I did a little, a talk on, um, that was based on the Sermon on the Mount for Mockingbird. And mm. I cannot tell you, I was at, I live in Dallas. I was at DTS, um, mm. which actually has a great library, like pretty sure, yeah. extensive. Um, and the number of commentaries, mm-hmm. even Lutheran, that were oh, yeah. like dumbing down the Sermon on the Mount and saying that uh, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect is not what Jesus Gosh. actually meant. It was a, it was astounding to me. I was very- yeah, It's crazy, isn't it? I was shocked. I think I found yeah. like one or two that um, were pretty, pretty strong on that. So- um, you get, I think you get the totally same right. thing in like passages in Romans too, but the right. sermon on the Mount, yeah. like we've been talking about this lately in my own church, just really quickly. Cause it's all, it's good for yeah. us to hear at the end of the sermon, like in Matthew seven, uh, the narrow way is not mm-hmm. your, your discipline right? Yeah. and you're going to work your way. Like you're going to stay on the straight and narrow. The narrow way is there's one man who's kept the law. Mm-hmm. He just preached the law and crushed everybody. And yeah. now there's one who's kept it. And the only way to the father is through him right? That's a narrow way of understanding. Or the yeah. people that come and Jesus paints the picture, there will be many who say to me, Lord, Lord, look at all the wonderful things we did in your name. And yeah. he says, I never knew you, depart from me. And you're, he calls them workers of lawlessness. Well, mm. where's their confidence? They're, right. they're, they're pointing to all the things they did. And he is saying, in fact, all of these good things that you're appealing to, you're, you're a worker of lawlessness. You're a lawbreaker. Mm-hmm. Because you're still pointing to these things that you think are good works, but they will not save you. Then yeah. he tells people that if you hear what I'm saying and live accordingly, you're like the person who built his house on the rock. Mm-hmm. And my word there is, um, dear believer, that rock on which you will build your life is not your <laughs> obedience. I promise Jesus. you. It, yeah. is, it is Christ, the solid rock for us. And th- right. this, so a law and gospel understanding of mm-hmm. the Sermon on the Mount in that way is very liberating and, and it actually makes all kinds of sense rather yes. than sounding schizophrenic. Like, uh, well, apparently I can't keep it, but I need to. And yeah. maybe I guess God grades on a curve and, and whatever. And, and I need to discipline myself to stay on the straight and narrow and then hope that this turns out well in the end. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's slavery. That's not good news. It is. Yeah. I mean, it yeah. misses the point of the sermon, really, because Jesus is like, right, here's this big weight of the kingdom. And he starts placing up all of these roadblocks oh, yeah. that funnel down into him. And he goes, okay, <laughs> yeah. he, the narrow, do you see my face? This is me. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you get here. <laughs> yeah. Please. It's simple, really. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And narrow in a good way. He's like, he's funneling you down to yeah. himself and they never yeah. see it. Like he says this to him. He's like, you, you're standing in front of the, the presence of God and you still don't believe. Yeah. In, yeah. You know, John six. Yeah. Right. 
Um, I want to go back really quickly and because I thought the, what you guys were saying about the supernatural was really interesting. And I maybe have a little bit of a Lutheran twist. You, you guys tell me what you think about this from your perspective, but there's something to be said, I think as well, uh, to having the sacraments as kind of this Mm. inversion of the supernatural, Mm. this touch point where, um, we see things that are very common mm-hmm. um, and yet God is giving them as his gifts in a way to say, this is different. Mm-hmm. I, I'm making this different through my word. Exactly. And this, if you are doubting, if you like, mm-hmm. um, if you are lacking assurance, um, you're not sure of whether you have faith or not, this is where you look. And I think mm-hmm. that that's cool. A cool connection. Um, I was just, thinking about it from, from the way that you guys were saying is it's, it's not completely like where we have this ethereal relationship with God. That's he right. he no. is bringing his, his word down to us in a way that we can understand and, and grab hold of. Well, Christ is not far off. Like think Romans yeah. 10, right. know, he's near. And how yeah. is he near to us? Well, he comes to us through his word and through his sacraments. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. That's how we tangibly experience Christ in this life, you know, as a as a gathered body of believers, right? And yeah. I think the the observation about the sacraments is excellent. I mean, even even though we're in a different tradition than you, we too are going to uphold the real presence of Christ in right. in the table and in the waters of baptism. And John and I, like like you, now again, we may administer the sacrament of baptism differently, but we too are going to use the language of remember your baptism. Mm-hmm. You know, and look to the fact, yeah, you're wrestling with assurance, you're doubting. Uh, remember that you have been united to Christ and that your baptism is significant of that. And yeah. then as we come to the table every week, I mean, at least in, in my context, we do, we come to the table weekly in our mm-hmm. services. And we always, in leading people to the table, remind them that this supper is not for the perfect, it's for the weak. Yeah. It's so that we might receive all, like in the bread and the cup, surely as you hold these things and you put them in your mouth, Christ died for you. And all of mm-hmm. his benefits are yours. And you're going to receive from him everything that your faith and love might lack. Mm-hmm. And so it's even these sacraments are about our union with Christ. And they are about God's faithfulness to us, not our yes. faithfulness to him. He gave That's them right. to us for our benefit. So I, I think your observation is excellent, Kelsey, in that the Lord always has worked. It, yes, this is supernatural and there's a, there, it is spiritual. And the Lord gives us these tangible things at the yeah. same time, because he's made us physical and because we need them, yeah, you know, and we're weak and feeble and all that. Yeah. Well, in almost everything that's related to the church, we have commercialized it and turned it into a show and really well, deep. Sure. We, we, we've despiritualized it. Can I say yeah. that? Like, yeah. Um, like I tell my church, you, you can't, or we replace, sentimentalize it or something. Or, yeah. You know, yeah. You can't replace the, the promises of the word. Like when he says the word is preached, that is God's voice coming to his people mm-hmm. through a broken vessel, right? Mm-hmm. When we think about baptism, do not miss the point when Jesus says, baptize them in the name of the Trinity. What that means is you are, you are, you are giving this sign as a means of acceptance because that's what it means to do in the name of. Like if you say pray in the name of Jesus, you're praying yeah. on the behalf of, of the acceptance of Jesus. So the moment you're receiving baptism, it's like God's acceptance is being put upon you, right? Yeah. And the same thing when you are brought to the table, you're being reminded of a supernatural, real, yeah. real interaction with the spirit that lives within you as it continues to feed you. Yeah. You know, was Peter tell, was Jesus tell my, uh, Peter feed my sheep. And part of that is the ministration of the word and sacrament. That's how you feed the sheep. Anyways. Yes. All of this is to encourage assurance. It's all of this is to encourage mm-hmm. the relationship that you have with Jesus so that you can do his work and to which, nourish our souls. Right. I mean, this is a whole yeah. other podcast for a whole nother day, but I will say this, that the work of finding your assurance was never given to the believer. It's so wrong. Mm-hmm. It was the work of sharing your assurance, yeah. not finding it. Right. Yeah. We say a lot, and this is not unique to us. I mean, the reformers all use this language that assurance is, I mean, it is the ground. It is the basis. It is the essence of the Christian life, not the pursuit of it. That's right. Yeah. You're not chasing after it. it you have it. Now, yes. you might feel differently about your assurance 
every moment, right. every hour, every day. But that changes not at all the fact that Christ has saved you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and I think to John's point, I think in, our, in the church in our day, you know, we despiritualize things, but then we over-spiritualize everything too. We turn yeah. things that are not spiritual into spiritual matters, meaning everything becomes an issue of spirituality that might not actually be. And so then people are just confused categorically left and right, mm-hmm. uh, where you make you make everything a spiritual and moral issue that that might actually just be a wisdom call, you know? Yeah. And we could we could yeah. talk about that another day. But th- that's no. all part of throwing clutter on top of the gospel. Yes. And people that's, don't know what's I, the most important thing. Yeah, that's actually the I know we've kind of been hopping around and I want to be Sorry for aware that, of y'all's. No, I I think this is awesome. <laughs> I want to be aware of it's been great. Um I want to be aware of y'all's time, but that was kind of my last question uh for y'all is there's I feel like there's so much right now. There's uh because of the stats and the way that church attendance is going and nuns are on the rise in America and all this stuff. Um, and this is a pretty common topic for me on this podcast. Um, there's so much critique of the church. There's diagnosis, there's prognosis. People are saying, these are the reasons people are leaving. This is what we need to do about it. Um, so much of that to me seems to miss just the the gospel. Like it just, sometimes I think it could be helpful. Sometimes it's, very practical and that, that can be good to, to an extent, but what are your thoughts on that? Like what, Mm. what do we, do we need to do anything about the stats? Do we need to be concerned? Um, and what, what is the, the answer in your mind, um, for what people are missing and, and why, uh, people are just not showing up, like why it's, it, yeah. it John, go like first because I, I might get, I was having a conversation with a guy from church the other day yeah. and uh, I might get geeked up on this. A well, I think Justin <laughs> and I are going to say, uh, we're going to say the same thing from different perspectives, which I, what I love about Justin is that he and I, we think the same, but we say things differently. His is definitely with a more Southern accent, which I love. I wish I could say it like <laughs> him. <laughs> uh, this is a California boy right here. So I'm going to go back to, um, because the gospel and our relationship with God is supernatural. I think a lot of people long for that at times. I know I said that like we, we, we are bent towards the physical nature, but what we're trying to get to is an experience, an experience, a spiritual experience. Mm. And so it, it, we, we have so commercialized Christianity and it's so introspective that people get exhausted by that. It's so fake. You yeah. show up and you have a smile on your face. And so they're, they look at the Roman Catholic church or they look at, you know, um, traditionalism and it's appealing to them because it feels sacred, right? Yeah, it feels godly. That's what it feels mm-hmm. like. Or they're still turned off by it. They just leave altogether and like I'm. And but they're going. They're going towards spiritualism though, because spiritualism mm-hmm. is on the rise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like mysticism okay. is on the rise sure. in the United States, big time. Yeah, and so I think that um, what what has happened is that we 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 stop paying attention to the spiritual warnings of the Bible. Like Paul's like, hey, listen, uh, Ephesians 6, you're not wrestling with the flesh, guys. You're wrestling against principalities and powers. You know, uh, Peter's like, uh, he's a roaring lion seeking him who may devour. Hmm. Uh, and and what, what does Jesus say he wants to devour? It says, I have come to give life <coughs> and I am truth. And Lucifer, Satan, has come to kill, destroy, and to deceive, right? Hmm. So he has put an absolute bomb in the truth in the, in, in, in the, bi- in, in the churches and is destroying churches and pastors don't realize that it's happening right underneath their noses. And so instead of trusting in the very thing that Paul calls God's power, he goes, this is God's power and it destroys strongholds. It brings people to life and it protects them. The gospel is the yeah. power of God. We're not preaching the gospel. We're yeah. not elevating it, right? We're elevating moralism. You know, Justin, you talked about hyper spiritual, like spiritualizing over spiritualization, which is basically We're moralizing just everything. Yeah. We're creating we moralism where it doesn't, it shouldn't be. And so, instead of believing that the gospel in and out every week is where we we are preaching Christ from Genesis to Revelation, mm-hmm. and that Christ literally means Messiah, meaning pointing us to our gospel, our good news. Uh, yeah, I think. You know, my, my criticism to a lot of churches and pastors, when I get a chance to talk with them, I was like, I don't think you believe in the gospel. 
as necessary for sermons every single week is yeah. because you've been, you've fallen to pray yeah. to what Paul says is going to happen. And in, in, in latter times, they're going to want itching ears and you're going to move from the gospel and it's demonic. I'll just say this. It is demonic. They mm. move from the gospel to humanism and that's not the power of God. And so, yeah, yeah I think that the gospel is less and less, which just means the church is going to be, they're not, they're not being fed. So they're going to be drawn to where they think they're going to be fed. And obviously uh, those places don't have the gospel either. Yeah. Right, so two comments on this. Uh, the first mm. is briefer. The one is, Kelsey, you you are a confessional Lutheran, and mm-hmm. we are confessional Baptists. But nonetheless, we're all confessional Protestants. We're confessional right. Christians, and there is an unapologetic otherworldliness to being a confessional Christian. Like mm-hmm. we understand that we are pilgrims and sojourners and exiles in this life, and that ultimately we're on our way to the new heavens and the new earth that's been promised to us. But between here and there, there are thousands of spiritual dangers and trials and temptations on every side. And so we need protection and nourishment and sustenance. And that's what the ministry of the church is for. Yeah. I think that perspective is compelling. And that mm. sadly is lacking in many churches in, in our context anyway, where, you know, we're just a bunch of like cultural crusaders and, and things of that nature. Yeah. It, it doesn't come across like we're exiles and right. pilgrims. I'm going to illustrate what I think one of the issues is, a big issue is related to what you asked. I'm going to use a specific thing that's a hot button issue right now, but I think it will make the point. And so I'm thinking about all of the, you know, the intramural food fight that's going on amongst believers over Christian nationalism and theonomy and like, what is the church called to do in America? Yeah. All right. So let me just preface everything I'm about to say, but with this, that God will save his people and that what the church is is called to do is to preach the law and the gospel and administer Mm -hmm. the sacraments for the salvation of God's people. Uh, So let's just start there. But man, there are so many people to illustrate the problem that say something like this. Well, if the church was the church, then America would look different. Mm -hmm. That's what they say. As though the, the calling of the church is to transform the culture. The calling of the church is to transform the country, yeah. um, this geopolitical entity in our context anyway, that is the United States of America. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about, you want to talk about losing your first love and throwing clutter on top of the gospel and hiding your light under a bushel. Think about how many Christians in America or how many people as they think about Christianity in America associated with the, mo- the moral majority in the Republican party. Right. Like it's an absolute categorical confusion of what Mm -hmm. in the world we're even called to do. Yeah. And so I think my encouragement to the church, if, if like in light of all of the things that you mentioned is like, can we stop making such a big deal out of all of these peripheral things uh, that are at best a wisdom decision that Christians might have the same set of variables and come to a different conclusion about what to do politically or whatever. It's like, can we just stop talking about that? and actually preach Christ crucified for sinners yeah, and and let the Lord save his people and then encourage the saints in their vocation to go love and serve their neighbor and, you know, to use the gifts and the talents and all the things that they have to, to help better their fellow man as they're able. But yeah. let's not confuse that with the mission of the church, right. which is about the forgiveness of sins and the imputation of righteousness. Yes. And, and eternal I, life, right? So yeah, that's so good. And I do, I, I do want to just say too, it happens on both sides if we're talking sure. politically. And oh, I think sure. that's like, um, I know this the conversation about Christian nationalism is very important and it is it's an issue, but I see it on the other side just as much where all of a sudden you're in response to that, which mm-hmm. is good. Like let's respond to that. Um, we're getting this moralism mm-hmm. that is still very political very. and still based on political decisions only uh, yeah. and is not the gospel. It's completely right. lacking from, it's set up as loving your neighbor, but it it's not. It's, it's not. It's not. So, if I get, brief, brief, super brief comment. Yeah. The reason that's the case, you're exactly right. We talked about pietism earlier you know, mm-hmm. this kind of inward looking thing. There's yes. also a movement that has greatly shaped American Christianity called revivalism, which is all yeah. about, you know, you, this conversion experience 
and then the moral transformation of life thereafter. But mm-hmm. pietism and revivalism both emphasize transformation at the yeah. individual and societal level. Mm-hmm. And so you can have that kind of transformational emphasis on the left or the right, but it right. comes from the same place. Yeah. Like you're still Good. missing That's the helpful. point, right? That, yeah. the, that the thrust of the church's mission is to preach Christ for us mm-hmm. yeah, rather than to be concerned with activism either way, whatever you yeah. think is good in terms of the pursuit of justice, that's fine. And it's not that we shouldn't talk about these things, but we shouldn't make them the mission of the church. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hey, that's great. A quick plug for Theocast. Yes. We just, we just put out a podcast on pietism, if you don't know what that word is. So yeah, I know we do it. Oh, great. We tried a, to not a new throw one. around theological jargon. A new one. Yeah, we'll put a okay. new new introduction to it. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll be sure to link to that. I was going to ask real quick, is there anything else y'all are working on? I know you do. I mean, we talked a lot about the podcast, but you guys do a lot. Um, anything that you've been working on recently that you're excited about and want to tell people about? Yeah, I have a new podcast that I I do. It's about 15 minutes long. Just trying to help people understand kind of the supernatural nature between the two kingdoms, right? We live in okay. this world, but also the kingdom of Christ. And so yeah. the podcast is called Kingdom. And then, uh, yeah, Justin and I, we have, uh, well, we have some things we're working on. We're not really quite ready to tell you about them. Okay. So they'll come right. out yeah, I mean, working on some... <laughs> Working on some writing projects and then... Uh, I'll tell you this. We are working on a little book on law gospel distinction. So stay tuned for that. Right. We're hoping to, to dive yeah. into that soon. So, awesome. Yeah. And there's always a lot of irons in the fire like with other... We, we've got different like teaching content that goes up on our website, different things. But Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. This has been awesome. I'm yeah. Thanks for super us. thankful for your time. So yeah, appreciate it. Absolutely. Hey everyone, before you go, Justin and I first wanted to say thank you. And if this has been encouraging to you in any way, please feel free to share it. But we also need your support. And it's when you give that it really helps us financially reach more people. So the next time you consider giving to a ministry, we hope that you would pray about Theocast and partner with us as we share the gospel around the world.